Welcome everybody to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your amazing host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode of Answering Atheist Objections, and I believe this is part eight. I know it has been a very long time ever since I have done Answering Atheist Objections, but that's because I got caught up in a whole variety of topics. But we are back with one of my favorite series that we have done, and hopefully it has enlightened you and helped you to better answer atheist objections. And our verse of the day is, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who isn't and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Revelation 1.8. So I, today I'm reading an article for World on Fire, and this is an atheist that writes this. It is written by Matt Nelson on February 4th, 2019. So I am going to attempt to uh, answer some of the objections that uh, Matt is writing here. and uh, I'm probably not going to be able to answer all of them, but I will answer them. Of course, as I always try and do to the best of my ability. So it, let's go on and read this. There are a couple things I can appreciate about the who designed their designer argument. Although it was rooted in car carpenter of the Kalam cosmological argument for its premise, whatever begins to exist has a cause, which I agree with. It is a positive argument for atheism, and it does attempt to deal with the God hypothesis, and the only arena where God's existence may be decisively confirmed or refuted, the arena of philosophy. At least he admits that it cannot be proven or disproven by scientific uh, method. The God defended by Christian theists is a transcendent, eternal, and spiritual being. He is the one creator of all physical reality and existed before all time, space, matter, and energy. Being outside of the natural world, God cannot be discovered nor refuted by science alone. For this reason, the arguments for and against God's existence must be, in the end, philosophical. For instance, in the skeptic, if the skeptic could expose an error of the formulation of the popular Kalam argument, say that its major premise, whatever begins to exist has a cause, is false, then, then this would force one of theism's most compelling arguments to be to, to the chopping block. Indeed, such a uh, re refutation has been attempted by astrophysicist Lawrence Cross, which I can't stand him. He provides the dumbest answers I have ever heard atheists uh, point out. For example, who tried uh, to claim in his book, A Universe from Nothing, that the universe indeed can and did arise from nothing? Cross was critically rebuked in the New York Times by fellow atheist uh, David Albert for advocating that on the word nothing. Of course, even if Cross had been successful and the validity of the Kalam argument had been seriously challenged, this would not prove definitely that atheism is true. It would only disprove one theistic argument. So uh, let's go on and talk about this very uh, briefly because it brings up a lot of points here. Again, I totally agree with the Kalam argument. I've never heard it in that terms. I usually call it the teleological or cosmological argument on this show. So basically, the whole point that I stress is that you need to use logic. You need to use what is necessarily common sense. Uh, if you see a design, and I know I said this time and time again on this podcast, if you see a design, there you would reasonably assume there's a designer. And I do not get why atheists think that is so stupid of Christians to do. When you look at the complexity of life, for example, I'm learning about DNA in my biology class. 
when you look at the complexity at the molecular level, and uh, then it just gets more and more complex as these parts start to work together, like the DNA and the RNA control the proteins, they control the building of the cells, and those cells go on to build the uh, individual tissues, and those tissues begin to build the organs, and the organs make the organism. And that is a very, very complex system. Now, you can always make the argument uh, from the evolutionary standpoint that it starts simple and that gets more complex over time. But then let's look at uh, what the most simple life is. If you look at single-celled organisms and you study them, it, they are simple compared to us, but they are still very complex in nature. And natural processes cannot arise uh, to that individual life form. We have never observed it. And even if you could recreate it in a scientific lab, it requires intelligence to um, make that certain experiment uh, provide life, provide a creation of life. So I, I really do not see there being any other explanation for it. And of course, I said this in the last episode, there probably is some sort of naturalistic explanation. I just think that God uses nature to build his creation. It all starts with a worldview, and I think theism is the most logical worldview because of recent scientific discoveries, providing evidence that the universe is much more complex than we have ever imagined, and that, that pinpoints to a creator of some sort. Now, what Lawrence Cross tries to do, and I was watching this clip of Stephen Colbert a long time ago, and he was on there, and he was describing nothing for us. Now, the definition of nothing is very simple. There's not any matter there, really. It, there's just nothing there. But he tries and says that there are little particles there, and those particles eventually, if I did not misquote him, uh, those particles eventually created the universe through the Big Bang. Somehow, some way, they did that. Now, I am not nearly as smart as Lawrence Cross. He's a physicist, I believe. Something along that area that has to do with space. He has a lot more brilliance than I do. But when I look at the universe and, I, and he tells me that it is mathematically possible, which it's not. If he's telling me that it's mathematically possible that these few particles, without any sort of designer, without any sort of... Uh, of guidance build this entire vast known universe. That makes no sense to me. It shouldn't make sense to atheists who claim to be the beacons of reason. And that's that's all I'm going to say on that because it, it really just bewilders me what the arguments that they're proposing and people say, well, since they're scientists, they... They know what they're talking about and things like that. It, it makes absolutely no sense what they're proposing. Okay, so they talk about certain attributes of God later in here. And I'll, I'll just read some of it. So this brings us to the claim of God's omnipotence. Is there any philosophical contradiction that can be drawn out of God's infinite power? As we have noted, God cannot sin because he is morally perfect. There perfect standard of what it means to be good. Thus, God has the power to do all logically possible things. That is, he has the power to do all meaningful things. That is why he cannot create a four-sided triangle, which is really nothing at all. Nor can God create a rock that is too heavy for his all-powerful self to lift. 
Such a notion is meaningless because it fails to acknowledge how God really is. A bachelor cannot forget his wife's birthday because he is a bachelor. God cannot be overpowered by any creature because he is omnipresent. Omnipotent. My, my bad on there. And then it goes on to talk about omnipresence. So that last uh, two paragraphs that we read were really meaningless in terms of argument. Uh, omnipresence. Finally, what about God's omnipresence? How can this be so? Well, as long as God is bound, unbound by time and space, there is no contradiction. Not only has God created all things, but also his presence is necessary to sustain them in being, just as the presence of hydrogen atoms is necessary to sustain water in being. God is present to all beings, but he is not all beings. That's pantheism. He is present to all things, and the existence of all things is dependent on his presence, just as the collar of a square dance is present to the dancers on the floor, and the existence of the square dance depends on the mind and voice of the collar. Thus, God, who contains all perfections within himself, can rightly be referred to as is to all-powerful, all-good, all-knowing, etc. We cannot say, by the way, that God is a preeminently perculous stinker, contrary to the charge of Dr. Dawkins, because stinkiness is a privation of a good, but God is perfectly good. Okay, so they're making a lot of trash arguments, honestly. They're, they're horrible, horrible arguments. And I hate the moral arguments that atheists object to because it has nothing to do with whether God exists or not. It has to do with his character. And if you don't like someone, that does not mean they don't exist. You may not like them. You may not like the things that they do, but that does not mean that they don't exist. And I'm not going to read the rest of it because it's just a garbage art article that uses really no scientific evidence evidence at all. It just makes many assertions and many pretty bad arguments. I I honestly say that was a waste of time for me to talk about on here, but I get I'll go in and publish this because that was, that was just horrible. I mean, really, ugh. but I'll just go in and talk about the moral argument just because he brought it up right there. So the moral argument, why is God allowing all this evil in the world. Well, first thing I say to atheists, before I actually get to the meat of the question, is what do you mean by evil? Because if there's no moral lawgiver, then either uh, morality that we describe it as has been uh, ev evolutionary, uh, literally, ev designed by evolution. Uh, it has either been designed by evolution or just constructed by humankind. So what makes things right or wrong, in a sense. It is all just your opinion. Now, going to why God allows certain things to happen, you always have to turn back to the fall. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve sinned, right? So, by sinning, they chose not to choose um, God's perfect plan, but accepting the devil's, um, the devil's plan, in a sense. So what that did is humanity gave their allegiance to the devil instead of God. So God had to remove his presence from this world. That is 
uh, why he had to send Jesus into this world in human flesh. So, because he was the only one that could pay the eternal sacrifice. Because God, by his character, is all just as well as all loving. So, the all just part of him has to punish us for the sins because he cannot be in the presence of sin. So, what he has to do is his eternal love wants us to come back to him. He wants a relationship with us. So that's where Jesus comes in. Jesus was the only perfect human being. He's 100% God, 100% man. So when he comes down here and sheds his blood and you accept Christ, this is the most, the easiest and most basic understanding of Christianity that I can provide. When you accept his blood, you are taking on the blood that was shed on the cross. And by his grace, um, the Father will accept that blood as, as a justification for allowing you to be in his presence. It wipes all your sin away from the past to the present to, to the present to the future. All your sins are gone because of that one moment on the cross. And that is Christianity explained. So why does God allow evil to happen? Because we chose for evil to happen, and we continue to choose until we all submit humbly to the Lord's great sacrifice and thank God for saving us uh, from our sins. And that will be it for Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review. And also, if you have any questions or complaints, email me at commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, I'm Ethan Foster here with Common Sense Christianity. You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. I'm your host, Ethan Foster, as always. And we love doing this for you guys. Please share the podcast with your friends and family if you like it. And frankly, even if you don't, Uh, Subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review so that more people can hear the word of God. And until next time, God bless you.